Good morning. Welcome. And the Lord be with you. In grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who calls us to this time and place of worship. And it is a wonderful gift to be able to share in this time of worship with you. We thank you for sharing in this time of worship this morning at First Church, especially those who may be visiting. You bless us with your presence as our guest, and we pray this is a blessed time for us all as we gather and worship God together. As we gather, we are mindful of opportunities for service and worship as they are before us. Hoping I will see you back here at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Jill Gardner, our Director of Music Ministries, will be offering a recital. It looks wonderful, and we anticipate a wonderful time together. It's part of the four concerts at 4 o'clock. So all are invited. A wonderful reception is being prepared. So again, come for uh, the wonderful music that will be shared by Jill, also by Sarah Wardle-Jones on flute, and then again the reception that is to follow. And tomorrow, a very exciting time before us as well. Vacation Bible School begins at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning at the Uptown Ministry Center across the street. So we, our prayers are upon all who will be a part of Vacation Bible School, a wonderful group of children, volunteers, leaders, Matt Hoover, who will be uh, coordinating this event this year. So keep that ministry in your prayer, and certainly feel free to volunteer to stop by as you may have opportunity to do so. Remember the ministry of the Lunch Bunch as it is before us each Tuesday and Thursday. And again, remember other ministries as they are before us, and especially the food bank. As we gather in worship, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke again this morning. Some words about prayer and never stop knocking, always going to God persistently and insistently in prayer. I invite us now to prepare to worship God together. Our acolyte will come forward.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call. The goodness of God has called us here. We are recipients of God's gracious love. Though we have not always done what is right in God's sight, yet God is merciful and forgiving. Open your hearts and spirits to the refreshing love of God.
we are called, called to be those who are people of prayer, who ask, who seek, and knock, and pray without ceasing. We have before us our opening prayer, and we see that this will be a responsive opening prayer, all of us sharing together in the bold print, but as we come to the lighter print, I will offer that and again invite your response. Let us go to God as we pray. Search us, O God, and find within us the secrets we hide. Ask us, O God, and receive from us the pain we bear. Keep knocking at the door of our lives until we open our wills to your purpose, our lives to your life, and our yearning to your hope. When we forget to seek you and to discover that we have lost our place, Lord, have mercy. When we ask once and leave it at that, Christ have, mercy. Christ, have mercy. When we draw back from knocking, lest we disturb you, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Strengthen our courage, bolster our endurance, spur us onward in your way in our world through the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Christ. Amen. We share first from the book of Psalms, the 44th Psalm, verses 17 through 26. They are words of prayer and difficult and painful words of prayer, but nevertheless, these words are before us in faith as a model of prayer, and we share these words passed on to us by our ancestors in the faith. First, we pray. Lord, may nothing stand in the way of us and your word, knowing that you remove all barriers so as to speak to us, to reach out to us, and to draw us to yourself. For this we give you thanks, in Jesus' name, amen. All this has come upon us, yet we have not forgotten you or been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the haunt of jackals and covered us up with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a strange God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Because of you, we are being killed all day long and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For we sink down to the dust, our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up, come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And I'll invite our children to come forward, and Matt Hoover will lead us in our children's time. Is the handheld mic still back there from last week? Oh, it's, it's at the piano. Okay. The mic is at the piano, Matt, if you want to use that. <clears throat> hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Well, awesome. I'm having a good time, too, getting ready for stuff coming up here soon. See you all there. But today we're going to talk about why is it so important to pray? Do you guys have any ideas? 
Yes, what's your idea? Hoping that God makes him happy. Makes him happy? Well, why, why do you think it makes him happy? You don't know? Well, one thing that God loves is to share his time with us and for us to share our time with him. And just like I have this one little bag of goldfish right here that you guys can all share with one another, so too does God like it when we share our time with him. You see, God has a way of making one little small thing spread around and around and around and around. And he asks us not to ever hide anything from him and to always be truthful with him and to always come to him with everything. So he can take even the smallest little itty-bitty thing like, say, one bag of goldfish and use it to help spread joy to all of us. You see, when we pray to God, we not only ask him for things and he gives it to us. We don't just come up and be like, hey, God, can I have some goldfish? And he's like, yeah, sure, here you go. Um, God will use our prayers and he uses our relationship with him to not only help us, but to learn how to help others. So you guys can take this little bag of goldfish, and there's a little bit more to come. You guys can share it amongst yourselves, just as God will share what you bring to him with others. You take a pass on the goldfish? Well, that is a shame. All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for teaching us what it means to pray to you, that we can talk to you directly in this way that you can respond to us with kindness, love, and mercy. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, and we thank you for the gift of sharing, whether that be our time or your blessings. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you, Matt. <clears throat> thank you, Meredith and children. I invite us to stand as we sing.
From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, we hear the word of our Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him? And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of our Lord. I read the gospel from Luke this morning, and I confess, I'm curious. The disciples of Jesus, we are told, approach Jesus, who has been in prayer. They say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As I said, I'm curious. Curious because if they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, I wonder what else they may have asked Jesus to teach them. Did, did the disciples approach Jesus saying, Lord, teach us how to fast? Did they approach Jesus saying, Lord, teach us how to serve? Did the disciples of Jesus approach him with the words, Lord, teach us how to tithe? Did they go to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to give? Did they ever go to Jesus and say to him, Lord, teach us how to fish? You may understand my curiosity. If the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray, are there other spiritual disciplines about which they ask his help? Or is prayer the only discipline with which they ask Jesus to help them? May I also be curious about this. Just why would the disciples of Jesus need to be taught how to pray? I don't mean to be irreverent, but do we really need to be taught how to pray? Now, it is true there is more than one way to pray, and we do well to engage in different practices of prayer. But would we ever go to someone feeling that we needed help with instruction about prayer? In other words, do we need guidance and instruction before we can go to God in prayer? To put it another way, are we not simply able to go to God just as we are, pouring to God the words within our hearts, the words upon our lips? But we notice 
The disciples, as Jesus concludes a time of prayer, say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I remain curious. Curious as to what it was that moved the disciples to ask of Jesus his guidance in prayer. I mean, did certain of the disciples have a loved one who was seriously ill? A loved one they wished to lift into the care of God, but were not sure they had the words by which to do so? Or were there among the disciples those who were grateful for the lives they now lived as disciples of Jesus, those grateful to have been found and forgiven, who wanted to express gratitude to God, but believed they lacked the words by which to do so? Were there among the disciples those uncertain about their decision to follow Jesus? Unsure about where decision, this decision would lead them, but, but they weren't sure how they could express their concerns to God. Could it be there were among the disciples those who, having seen the miracles of Jesus, having heard his teachings, having tasted life within the kingdom of God, wish to give thanks to God but cannot find adequate words by which to give thanks. Lord, teach us to pray. We understand. And we understand as well, Luke makes it especially clear that prayer is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. More than any of the other gospel writers, Luke shows Jesus at prayer. Gospel of Matthew will make reference to prayer 16 times. Mark will do so 12 times. The Gospel of John, six references to prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, there are 29 references to prayer. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, in which there are 33 references to prayer. After being baptized, Jesus prays. He withdraws to the wilderness and prays before choosing the disciples. He goes to a mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer with God. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he prays in the Mount of Olives, and from the cross we know Jesus prays. Prayer is important to the Gospel of Luke. So much so that Luke demonstrates prayer for us in surprising fashion. What I mean is, you, you know how you and I generally look at the practice of prayer. You and I are inclined to think of prayer as some prim and proper spiritual discipline. We think of ourselves going to Jesus with King James language, eyes closed, hands folded, sprinkling our prayer with a healthy dose of these and thous. And despite abundant biblical witness to the contrary, we dare not approach God in prayer with any questions regarding the circumstances of our lives. Despite biblical witness to the contrary, we dare not ask a God why. Don't ask him why, we've been told. God has his reasons. One day we'll understand, we've been told. Again, despite biblical witness to the contrary, this tends to be the means by which we go to God in prayer. All of this illustrating that we tend to view prayer as a, a passive or static spiritual discipline and all of this inviting us to wonder, did we even know these words of Jesus were in the Bible? You remember the words of which I speak? 
just after instructing his disciples to pray in the model of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus then tells a story that's anything but polite and kind, passive and reverent, regarding how we are to go to God in prayer. The story we remember tells of someone who runs over to his neighbor's house at midnight. Midnight! Having gone to the neighbor at midnight, he shouts, Neighbor, I've had some unexpected company show up and I've got nothing to feed them. Give me some of your food so I can feed this bunch. Now, initially, the neighbor will try to tell this visitor to leave him alone. The family's trying to get some sleep, for heaven's sake. But seeing the man will not leave him sleep in peace, he decides to give in, give him what he needs, just to be rid of the guy. So listen, says Jesus. If you and your neighbors, far from being perfect, all of you, if you know how to respond to your neighbor in need, how much more will God respond to you as you go to him in prayer? Now, who would have thought that Jesus would tell this story to make his point in prayer? We keep these prim and proper images of prayer as we approach God in our King James English, reverent and respectful. It's Jesus who offers a model of prayer a man who annoys his neighbor until he gets what he wants. And he does all of this without being provoked to do so. Remember, the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds by offering the model of the Lord's Prayer. He could stop right there, you know. But we notice, Jesus goes on to offer this story of the gentleman who annoys his neighbor until he gets what he wants. Jesus didn't need to do that to share this story of the annoying neighbor. The disciples didn't ask Jesus for this, nor do we ask Jesus for this, but we notice Jesus, without being provoked to do so, speaks to the request, Lord, teach us to pray with this parable of an annoying neighbor. Not exactly prim and proper King James English, is it? Still a model of prayer set before us by Jesus. It appears Jesus would have us expand our understanding of approaching God in prayer. Peter DeVries was a 20th century writer whose writing tended to be on the humorous, satirical side. It was Peter DeVries who said things such as, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Think about it. And at about a certain acquaintance of his, Peter DeVries said, deep down he's shallow. However, the writing of Peter DeVries took a sharp turn in 1961 with his novel, The Blood of the Lamb. The Blood of the Lamb is a largely autobiographical novel about a young father and his young daughter 
who has recently been diagnosed with leukemia. DeVries wrote the book just a year after losing his 10-year-old daughter, Emily, to leukemia. Late in this novel, the young father, having just received further discouraging news about his daughter, one evening goes to a church. I got up and walked to the center aisle, he says, where I stood looking out to the high altars and the soaring windows. I turned around and went to the rear corner where stood the little shrine to St. Jude, patron of lost causes and hopeless cases. Half the candles were burning. I took a taper and lit another. I was alone in the church. The gentle flames wavered and shattered in a mist of tears spilling from my eyes as I sank to the floor. He then prays. I do not ask that she be spared to me, but that her life be spared to her. Or give us a year. We will spend it as we have the last missing nothing. We will mark the dance of every hour between the snowdrop and the snow, crocus to tulip to violet to iris to rose. We will note not only the azalea's crimson flowers, but the red halo that encircles a while the azalea's root when her petals are shed, also the white halo that rings for a week the foot of the old catalpa tree. Later, we will prize the chrysanthemums, which last so long, almost as long as paper flowers, perhaps because they know in blooming not to bloom. We will seek out the leaves, sorry, seek out the leaves turning in the little praised bushes in the unadvertised trees. Everyone loves the sweet, neat blossom of the hawthorn in spring, but who lingers over the olive drab of her leaf in autumn? We will. We will note the lost yellows and the tangles of that bush that spills over the Howard's stone wall, the meek hues among which it seems to hesitate before committing itself to red, and the next year learn its name. We will seek out these modest subtleties so lost in the blare of oaks and maples like flutes and woodwinds drowned in brasses and drums. When winter comes, we will let no snow fall ignored. We will again watch the first blizzard from her window like figures locked snug in a glass paperweight. Pick out one and follow it to the ground, she will say again. We will feed the plain birds that stay to cheer us through the winter. And when spring returns, we shall be the first out to catch the snowdrop's first white whisper in the wood. All this we ask with the remission of our sins, in Christ's name, amen. St. Augustine, early father of the church, was right, wasn't he? Because he prayed these words which are true for every one of us here. O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And Paul Tillich, a 20th century interpreter of the faith, spoke for us as well when he said, there is within each of us a faint recollection of Eden.
That is to say, everyone here has a yearning for that time in which we were at peace with God, and our deepest desire is to know peace with God again. How do our restless hearts find their rest in God? How do we find ourselves again in Eden? Lord, teach us to pray. We stand and affirm our faith with the modern affirmation, number 885. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, in set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, to the end the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. As we are standing, I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, our ushers will come forward.
we prepare to worship God with his tithes and our offerings, our ushers will come forward. And you will notice as the offering is being received, the theme of prayer, the ministry of prayer remains before us as Jill offers the new Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you in prayer, aware of how richly you have blessed us, of how you provide for us our daily bread, and so much more. For this, we give you thanks, and we pray as well that these gifts returned unto you, the giver, will accomplish great things for the gospel of Christ in your name. Amen.
maybe see. We go to God in prayer. And we do so with the prayers of the people. You see the response will differ slightly from what we are used to. I will offer various petitions of prayer appropriate to the discipline of prayer. And I will conclude each petition with, so we might declare your glory as we gather together. I invite from you the response, Lord, teach us to pray. And then we will pray together our Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach us to pray, so we might awaken to the wonder of your presence, so we might feel gratitude for your gift of life today, so we might discover your kingdom as revealed in our sisters and brothers, so we might find safety beneath the shelter of your wings, so we might declare your glory as we gather together. Lord, teach us to pray so we might forgive those who have wronged us, so we might live free from pretense, so we might trust your perfect plans and not replace them with our own, so we might love you with our whole hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves, so we might declare your glory as we gather together. Lord, teach us to pray. So diverse and many hearts might harmonize as many voices become one. So our bodies might praise you in bowed heads and raised hands. So a spirit of criticism is replaced with an offering of sacrifice. So we consider others more important than ourselves. So we might declare your glory as we gather together. Lord, teach us to pray. So the truth of your word resonates in what we say and sing. So we might prepare our way through the wilderness of chaos and pain. So our eyes are alert and our souls awake to your movement in our midst. So our good work is fruitful in the reign of your kingdom. So we might declare your glory as we gather together. Lord. So our voices bring a pleasing sound to your ear. So the notes of our instruments rise sweetly to your throne. So our singing is a light in the darkness, drawing nations to your grace. So our songs vibrate with the voice of the Lamb who was slain. So we might declare your glory as we gather together. Lord, So the lonely and hopeless find comfort in your abundant presence. So those in war and famine find the everlasting peace of your spirit. So we are not indifferent to the suffering of the world around us. So our songs help to make us look more like you. So we might declare your glory as we gather together. And Lord, hear our prayers as we remember how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We stand as we sing every time I feel the spirit. Corky, we thank you for offering the verses of this song as we, the congregation, will share in the refrain. We stand and we sing. Amen. Amen. Corky, thank you. Don? Oh. Yeah, we can clap. That's all right. <laughs> we thank you, Corky. Thank you, Jill and Beth. And thank you, Don. You've done a wonderful job of acolyting. So we are grateful. I mean, that's a very important job. It's who we are. And we go from this place as a people of prayer persistent prayer, relentless prayer, assured that in all things and all occasions, God welcomes us. 
who goes a light into this world in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.